Does your ass smell? Do you want to feel fresh and clean all day long? Of course you do. That's why you need soap. Soap is specifically formulated to gently clean, leaving you feeling refreshed and confident. Washing your ass with soap provides more than just a clean feeling and helps to maintain good hygiene and can even reduce the risk of skin irritation and infection. Soap, the simple solution for a clean and refreshed ass. Try it today and feel the difference. Soap, available wherever they sell soap. Right. I'm standing up actually. I have I have returned to my original power position. <clears throat> Need to clear my throat. I've returned to my power position, which is standing up, legs spread apart, waiting for one of my kids to come and give give me a swift kick in the in the nads. <laughs> in the gonads. Yeah. yeah, I just need to uh, to clear myself as well there. Yeah. <laughs> it's better. <laughs> <laughs> Fart jokes Start off the season Oh god We'll have to remind people as well That um, Podbot is here Oh god Welcome back Podbot It's gonna be a good season So good to have you back Podbot Welcome back lads It is so nice to be back on mic Shut up Podbot You are such a bastard <laughs> She's still sassy Kiss my rusty hinge She's still got it She's still sassy So listen My whole approach to this Is for the intro is to uh, do a parody of a podcast okay. and let me hear what you think of this. Okay. So I'm, I'm going with join us, won't you? Do you know what it is? I'm, I think, <laughs> I, wait, hold on, no, I actually know what it is. It's the, um, you must remember join this. Join us. With, um, oh. Join us, what's, won't you? Uh, what's her name? What's her name? It's Karina Longworth. Karina Longworth, yeah, yeah, a great podcast, a great podcast. And I, I, I agree. I knew exactly. I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go. Okay, listeners, we've got a story in five acts. <laughs> On tonight's episode, it's a podcast all about pigeons. That's terrible, Will. I really like script notes. Oh, <laughs> roll the intro. I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. <gasps> what did you say? You are a sad, strange little man. Don't call me stupid. Hello, and welcome to the Best Clips Podcast, a film podcast where we choose clips from films to fill our podcast. This is your host, Kevin, an award-winning, an award-winning, an award, why can't I say award-winning? <laughs> because you haven't won any. <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck off. This is your host, Kevin, an award-winning writer who hasn't won awards for his writing. And I'm joined, as always, by my white male co-host who has won awards for his writing, but who cares, Scully Collins. Hello, listeners. <laughs> Squally Collins here. <laughs> Together, we'll be bringing you the perspectives of two middle-aged white men. Join us, won't you? Wow, <laughs> that was... I, 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 I love the revamp. I'm only spoofing. <laughs> Season three, Will. Huzzah, it's great to be back. Absolutely fantastic to be back. I feel refreshed. I feel at least a half a stone heavier. And um, it's is uh, wonderful. Uh, good to be back here with you, Kev. How are you getting on? Yep. Ah, uh, grand to our listeners. It feels like we've been gone a few weeks, but to us, we haven't stopped. We never but stopped. We haven't done another one of these episodes since Christmas, mm-hmm. and here we are, March, 
Yeah. This is going to be the season when we get back to basics and uh, we incite a backlash. I have a feeling. <laughs> yeah. Is this the re-sequel? Is it? No, it's not. No, I don't know what it is. A requel. A requel. Okay. A reboot sequel. But I'm, I'm excited and delighted to be back in the old pod booth with yourself mm-hmm. and Podbot there in the background. Bastards. Podshed. It's uh, strange and it's refreshing. I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we don't have any guests, which is strange, but uh, but also... Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs those wonderful, wonderful people? Who needs those heavily lauded, famous people? <laughs> Not us. <laughs> with far more informed takes on particular topics than we ever have. But hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa. I said in the intro that you are a writer who has won awards and you did win an award from the last time we spoke. So, uh, was that you uh, saying congratulations? Is that you saying? It doesn't matter. Oh, thanks, Kevin. You're not better than me, Will. You delivered it with such <laughs> sincerity. I, I now feel complete. That was a deadpan delivery. <laughs> All right. Are you giving us a hint? to um, maybe the topic for tonight's episode. Yes. Well, I think we should clue people in because we didn't spin the wheel on Mike no. to get this topic, but we do have a clip of us spinning the wheel. So I was going to cut to that right now. Best French New Wave scene. Oh. How do you feel about that? So we're doing spoofs. <laughs> Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. How much research did you actually do into French New Wave cinema, Kevin? I don't speak <laughs> French you, and I can't read. Were you detoured <laughs> into a different genre completely? What suits us down to the ground, I thought, well, we're a pair of spoofers. Let's do spoof scenes. Oh, and I, well, to be fair, I didn't protest. So I'm looking forward to knowing where you ended up when you started to dig into spoof movies, because something I kind of haven't really thought about spoof movies in a long time. So what about you? I don't think anyone has thought about spoof movies in a long time. Okay. This is a weird topic, right? Because it's another one of these things like where we've gotten musicals or post-credit scenes where first reaction with friends of mine was, I hate them. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, Okay. I thought that's an odd reaction, but I was only thinking about the really, really good ones because there's so many. And I would say that most people have forgotten a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And with good reason, because yeah, the majority of them are really poor. Mm-hmm. Or if they ended up being really poor. And uh, I was wondering as well, how do you define a spoof movie? Like as opposed to a parody movie, what is a spoof movie? Ooh. Well, spoof movies are grouped together with parody films, mm-hmm. but there are key differences, I think. And um, there's a lot of overlap as well. So it's really it's really hard to say exactly that's a spoof and that's a parody. Yeah. Like, for instance, both of them are homages and pastiches mm. and send-ups of the tropes or the concepts of certain films. But I think it comes down to a couple of things that separate them. And with a spoof movie anything goes Mm -hmm. there aren't really rules of the film the characters are usually too stupid to exist right and you can have scenes in it like where you break the fort wall or you could have like a prop that hits a crew member or suddenly they're they're on a moving train or stuff that feels like it's it's absurd but taken to an extreme yeah so logic doesn't exist character even character logic doesn't exist in this world yeah the joke is king as such yeah, the joke takes primacy. Yeah. They're like Looney Tunes in that respect. But a parody film, then, it would take the conceit or the concept or 
something that is in pop culture that we're aware of and then it would riff on that but the characters would be taking the situation seriously and the rules of the film would they'd be consistent mm-hmm. like a good example is you've got space balls i am the keeper of a greater magic a power known throughout the universe as the the force no the schwartz and you've got galaxy quest jason we're going to use the digital conveyor to get you out of there the digital conveyor yeah you mean i'm Diced into cubes can sit up there in a million pieces? Right. I, I was just thinking Galaxy Quest. Yeah. So contrast the two of those. So Spaceballs is a spoof and Galaxy yeah. Quest is a parody. Very good. And the difference is when you think about the, the tone of both those films and what can happen in like Spaceballs where suddenly for no reason there'll be a character selling merchandise of the film. Mm-hmm. What is it that you do here? Merchandising. Merchandising? What's that? Merchandising. Come, I'll show you. Open up this door. <laughs> Come, walk this way. Take a look. We put the picture's name on everything. Merchandising, merchandising. Where the real money from the movie is made. Spaceballs the t-shirt. Spaceballs the coloring book. Spaceballs the flamethrower. <laughs> the kids love this one. Last but not least, Spaceballs the doll. Me. May the Schwartz be with you. Whereas in the parody film, like Galaxy Quest, the characters are, they're taking the situation seriously. And there's an ad- adherence to the logic of that universe. Yeah. Yeah, a cohesive logic there, even though it's illogical in its own way. Like it, like in a spoof film, a character could basically fold in half mm-hmm. and still survive. They're, they're cartoon characters. Yeah. So... I break it down as one has characters and the other has caricatures. Okay. And I came up with a theory about what separates the good ones from the bad ones. Okay. Right. Go on. Um, the really, really good spoofs, they have a, a, a charismatic actor at the front and center of the story who has an innocence to them. Okay. Where they portray the character in a way that feels childlike and they are adorable idiots. And that's true for folks like Leslie Nielsen, for Anna Faris, for Gene Wilder. A lot yeah. of the Christopher Guest movies, all those characters are sort of adorable idiots. Yeah. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, Simon Rex, who pops up in some of the scary movies. Um, and even Alison Hannigan in Date Movie, even oh, though okay. that film is not a good spoof movie. But she's great. Yeah, that kind of open-eyed, innocent uh, person who is completely, I suppose, a naivety to the world and takes everything that comes this way for face value and doesn't really question the logic of what's happening too much. Exactly. They're like goldfish. They're in the moment and they can't remember much beyond what's going on. And it's just sort of, um, it's really charming to watch them fumble their way through life. Mm -hmm. And then the really bad ones, they're smarmy Mm -hmm. and they mix up you know, because parodies and spoof movies, they're send-ups, but the really bad spoofs feel like takedowns. Right. Sort of troll humor. From what I what I watched, and I slipped into a couple of really uh, bad ones, yeah, is there's a, there's a cynicism, almost like a, a bullying aspect to it. Hugely. There's also an, a kind of a, an inability to tell a joke. Like they've, like in the really, really bad ones, they seem to completely forget how to set up a gag and pay it off with a punchline. It's just, it, it, none of the jokes work. And yeah, it defies comedy. It's it's just gross and gross out humor is another aspect. Yeah, they rely on shock value. It's just mm-hmm. a lot of like references without any sort of commentary on it. Post scary movie spoof movies. It's a lot of like Britney Spears 
needs to be kicked into a well. Or, oh, that was awful, yeah. There's a lot of misogynistic jokes. Lindsay Lohan stuff, attacking Lindsay Lohan. And there's like just, yeah, it's just really, just really bad taste. Just, yeah, low hanging fruit stuff without any, uh, without any comedic value. It's just like, yeah, we hate this person. This person's annoying, isn't it? You know, and let's just, yeah. let's just throw shit at them. And um, yeah, it's bullying. That's what I kind of feel it is. Yeah, totally. It's troll comedy. And it's kind of like a byproduct of the success of the scary movies. That's the first scary movie was such a huge hit. They knocked out sequels really, really fast. And then these films became photocopies of photocopies of photocopies where they just meant nothing anymore. There was They were just filling up 90 minutes of screen time. And uh, that's the sole reason they existed. So what do you think? The scary movie was a huge hit, but what do you think the most successful spoof movie was oh, in terms of box office? Oh, oh, in terms of box office. That's a good one. I'm going to go with, I, I'm the only way, I, way I'm going to kind of, I'm going to reverse engineer this because I think there, you would only have a lot of sequels to something if it was a huge hit. So, so I carry think, on, I, <laughs> carry on Sergeant. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think basically, basically based on that theory, I think it must be Scary Movie because there was like at least five direct sequels to Scary Movie. So I'm assuming it was Scary Movie. It wasn't. No, okay. it's in the same era. There are three of the scary movies in the top five, but the most successful at the box office was the second Austin Powers movie, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Yeah, baby, yeah! Really? 1999. It made 312 million. Wow. And then the second one is Goldmember, and then the, the three, four, and five are scary movie one, three, and I think four. So, yeah. Now did you say that? Did I, did, so you're saying The Spy Who Shagged Me came out in 99, didn't it? Yeah. So I think I remember it knocking The Phantom Menace off the top spot and people and Star Wars fans were raging at the time or something like that. Or maybe that's a bit of, maybe I'm completely wrong. And The Phantom Menace is a really good spoof movie. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but look, think of that era, 1999. Mm -hmm. And the last scary movie was in 2006. And I think that we haven't had a successful spoof movie since around that time. After that, they all just fell off a cliff and they've disappeared. And that was before YouTube and before Twitter. Right. And one thing that I noticed is that a lot of the really good spoof movies, they're very memeable. And there's there's a lot of memes out there from Naked Gun and from Hot Shots and from even Scary Movie and stuff. And I think that the meme itself has killed them off. Now you have my attention. So now that we're in an era where gifs and jokes like that online, making fun of anything topical or lampooning something which has just been released, the idea of spoofs feels irrelevant and almost too slow to compete. Okay. The world has just gotten too fast for spoof movies. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And like, you know, it's, yeah, you could even do spoofs in TV shows. Like, do you need to make a feature film to be a spoof? And it's, yeah, that's a really interesting point. And if, do you know what's mad? One of those YouTubers, I think, tried to make, was that Logan Paul or whatever it is? I think he tried to make a spoof movie or something. Yeah. To do with him trying to just make a spoof movie in it. And again, it was the wrong kind of spoof movie. It was just a lot of screaming and a lot of like, where are the jokes? Where's the, where's the comedy here? What the hell is going on? Yeah, that's a really interesting point. That's a really interesting. So yeah, th- th- there hasn't been any. There Thank hasn't you. been any. 
huge hit spoof movies because that's what when when thinking about this topic I was wondering I said like you know when is the last time we actually had a really really successful and good one and is there a space for one to exist right now and I don't know in in feature films I don't know if there is maybe in television I think quite possibly but um um I'd say the last one was probably uh, the last parody film was probably Tropic Thunder. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. This summer, want to make this movie right? We take those boys up there, put them in the trees, shoot the whole thing gorilla style. Real fear in their eyes. Yes, yes. yes. The movie they think they're making. Exterior, rainforest, dust, cut to a frightening jungle. Isn't a movie anymore. I'm not a matrix. So what? Exactly. Let's use it. Uh-huh. Speed, Some of us might not make it back. What do you mean? Like not on the same flight? Oh God, yeah, right. That would that would be what I would think. And then of course you'd bore at and you had um, pop stars never stop, never stopping, and those were big hits. But yeah. I've not counted any of the mock docs in this episode because we did a whole episode on, on mockumentaries. Yeah. And this feels like it's a sequel to that. Yeah. I've got another fact for you. Mm-hmm. The longest running spoof franchise in movie history are the Carry On films. Okay. So they, they started in 1958 and they ran for 20 years until 1978. Then there was a big gap and they came back in 1992 with Carry On Columbus. Yes. And they did 31 films. Crikey. Oh, what a lovely looking pair. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I watched all of them today. <laughs> You know what? At what speed, Kevin? <laughs> Matron, take them away. <laughs> oh, yes. No, I didn't watch any of them. I did used to love those movies and they haven't really traveled, I don't think, but I would almost have them in their own separate category of like yeah. British comedies because they're yeah. so good. And in my head, the gag race doesn't quite reach the quota for a spoof because in my head, the, you know, again, like Airplane, is the film that kind of like set the template in my head. And uh, if you don't have as many gags in, at least close to what Airplane has in a scene, then you're not you're not a spoof in my mind. Yeah, I think that Airplane is like ground zero for spoofs. It really is. It really is. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? But it wasn't the first. Really? Well, I give you a little history on the spoof itself. Please, Kevin. I'm all, I'm, I'm in class. I'm just looking up at you. I'm waiting to be educated about spoofs. Please tell me everything you've learned. Okay. So, spoof films, they began at the turn of the century and they were known as spoofies and they were a way for street performers to make money outside penny theatres. So in the States, you had a lot of Irish immigrants. They were making good living on the street as minstrels and sex workers. But another really good way that they could make money was, um, you know, being spoofies, which were like, <laughs> which were clones that would stand outside cinemas and they would, they would act out the scenes from the films that were playing inside, usually with live animals like dogs and donkeys and retired police horses and stuff like that. No way. And they'd split their earnings with animals. But, <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> I wrote a whole thing. Oh, Kevin, you actually had me on for a, for a moment. You had me on. I was like going, oh, wow. Okay. I've never heard of any of this. And then it was the splitting their earnings with the animals. I went, 
hang on, were they paid in hay? Was yeah. this, was Local theatre owners couldn't stand them and so they would usually have the, the spoofers beaten up and driven out of town. But people <laughs> people loved their spoofies and uh, eventually the theatre owners decided we should put on our own spoofs. But no, complete horseshit. No, the first spoof movie actually came out in 1905 and it was directed by the person whose film it was spoofing. So he was spoofing himself, essentially. One other director has done that and I want to talk about him later on. But it was in... Yes, Phantom Menace. Uh, There we go. It all comes back to uh, Star Wars. Um, It was the little train robbery in 1905 and it was a spoof of the great train robbery. No way. Same guy. Same guy made both films. Yeah, Edwin S. Porter. Incredible. He cast a load of children and they were on like little toy trains and, you know, it was a short film. But that's considered to be the first spoof. Wow. Then after that, you had The Great Dictator, the Charlie Chaplin film in mm-hmm. 1940, Carry On Spying in 1964. And then you take a huge leap into the 70s and it's like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, The Big Bus, Kentucky Fried Movie, Life of Brian. That's mm-hmm. where it's the whole idea of a spoof is starting to formulate and, and coalesce. Award-winning motion picture producer... Samuel L. Bronkowitz. I have spent a lifetime in the motion picture industry. Now, after 50 years in Hollywood, I have finally produced what I feel is the finest motion picture ever made, the Kentucky Fried Movie. Heralds the return to traditional values. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. But that's very different to the history of the parody film. Okay, right. And this is quite boring, but I'll get through it quite quickly. The parody films are associated with a guy called Mac Sennett. And some film historians would call him America's film comedy father. And he was best known for spoofing and doing pastiches to his mentor, D.W. Griffith's films. And uh, one of those would be Teddy at the Throttle in 1917, which was a spoof of Birth of a Nation in 1915. Wow. Film historians would even separate them from a parody film to a spoof film. So there you go. Wow. Oh, wow. That's, I, I did not know the history went back that far. That's fascinating. Actually, really, is. Is. I'm glad to know. I'm glad to know. And um, wh- that's all my, all my homework. Oh, good. So now we just talk about our favorite scenes from spoof movies. <laughs> what did you watch for this episode? Okay. I, I watched, my first protocol was a film that I had not seen. And it was on my, had been on my radar because it has a huge cult following. And it Ooh, was actually a recent okay. enough one. MacGruber from 2010. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Upper Decker. What the world needs is a hero who's so top secret, we don't even know his full name. Hello, MacGruber. Don't worry, this is just like Nicaragua. I got shot in Nicaragua. This is nothing like Nicaragua. Oh, God, it was so funny. Did you see any of the SNL shorts that that came from? No, no, I did not. They are so good. If anyone has, has not seen it, MacGruber's basically a spoof on MacGyver, the TV show from the 80s where in in the pilot episode, he disarms a nuclear warhead with a paperclip. And that's not a spoof. He actually does that in the first episode <laughs> in The Real MacGyver. It stars Will Forte, Kristen Wiig, Ryan Philippe, Val Kilmer's in it as, as the villain. And I learned actually in a subsequent thing that Val Kilmer, once they finished filming this film, Val Kilmer moved in with Will Forte 
He just thought he was moving in for a weekend because as he was getting his place sorted out. But Val Kilmer stayed with him, kind of like the way Orson Welles stayed with Peter Bogdanovich. Really? Yeah, Val Kilmer stayed with him for months and months and months. And and he had his all his stuff kind of shipped over. And, he, and just Will Forday was, he was not married at the time. And he just went, oh, I'm leaving with Val Kilmer. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Val Kilmer's here. Great. Oh my God. But there's a scene in it that absolutely had me in stitches, okay? And one in particular. And McGruber's the type of character that his one certainty of this character is that he is going to make every situation worse. So <laughs> yeah. that's his one superpower. And Kristenwig plays uh, his love interest. Or she's interested in him, but he's really tormented by the loss of his wife. She was killed in it by Valken on the wedding day. And finally, after a big kind of like uh, shootout in the middle of the movie, uh, MacGruber is dropping Kirsten Wiig's character home and uh, he's wounded in his leg but he's been shot in his inner thigh and he's sitting on the uh, kitchen counter and, and she sees the blood his blood stain on his jeans and she's like going oh you hurt he's like it's nothing and, <laughs> and she proceeds to say, she's like no I'll take care of it and she proceeds it's all really like close and intimate and smoldering and the tension is just building between the two of them and she proceeds to to extract the bullet from his inner thigh with a pliers and he, but, but he's but it's done in that 80s way where he's going just like small little he sucks air through his teeth and you're and you're going oh come here and if, and it's really grotesque because she's really jamming the put those pliers in there and eventually she pulls it out Cooper sorry I always get an erection when a beautiful woman uses a pair of pliers near my balls Cooper Thank you. And what we have then is a love scene. And it's initially in that really 80s, like if you think of the love scene from Top Gun. I'm a virgin. Not for long. Not the volleyball match, but the, the love scene uh, where it's <laughs> like, you know, intimate moody lighting and just a sexy kind of power ballad and the close-ups of the two bodies, you know, just just, just, just caressing each other. Uh, but then we have a hard cut <laughs> to, to MacGruber having sex with Kristen Wiig. And he is just thrusting into her but making the most grotesque sound you could imagine <laughs> it's oh, absolutely awful and you see Kristen Wiig is just she's kind of nowhere to look I'm gonna freaking explode inside you I'm gonna spill it I'm gonna fill you up I'm gonna fill you up what? I'm gonna fill you up okay, just let me do this sorry oh yeah and what follows after that is Will Forte, Will Forte is guilt-ridden goes to his uh, dead wife's grave to confess that he's he has betrayed her and she proceeds then to have to make love He's the ghost of his wife on her tombstone and he has the exact same screeching noise and it's it's fucking brilliant. I was in stitches, Kevin. I was just in stitches. I thought it was so funny. So that was my first protocol and I would say it was a success. I was so glad I uh, eventually got to see it. Uh, my first film that I watched and I thought, oh no, I'm in trouble here, is I went back and I watched Kentucky Fried Movie. Oh, you see, I was going to watch that because I've never seen it. And tell me about it. Did I put you off? You did. I think I might have sent you a message going, oh, it's shite. Yes. Well, I thought it was shite. Okay. Uh, it, uh, the reason I watched it is because it's the beginning of the whole Zucker Brothers 
uh, the the Zaz era, Zucker Brothers, Jerry and David Zucker, and um, Jim Abrams, and they wrote it, and John Landis directed it, and it's basically like an industrial film that's lots of shorts and dodgy humor for the time. I invite every man, woman, and child to share with me the joy and warmth of the Kentucky Fried movie. So that was my first one. I thought, oh no, I'm in trouble here. But I was trying to basically fill in the blanks. Yeah. And then I just decided to go back to the old reliables, the ones that I know were going to deliver. Yeah. And they did not disappoint. And so I went back and I watched Hot Shots. Yes. I got to say, absolutely everything that Lloyd Bridges does in Hot Shots just had me again in fucking hysterics. <laughs> How are you, sir? Why? Oh, no, I got damn it, Bill. I'm supposed to be in California. No, no, sir. This is California. Well, gotta run. Good luck. I'm, but, sir. <laughs> it's a crying shame, I think, that we'd never got a film with Leslie Nielsen and Lloyd Bridges in scenes together, actually acting against one another. Yeah. Those two guys are the superstars of the spoof genre for me. You're both right. Yeah. So there's a scene in it where Lloyd Bridges. And it's just this delivery. He just has this quizzical sort of like, he doesn't know what the fuck is going on. And um, <laughs> he is at the funeral of Dead Meat, who's been killed. And he's giving the, the eulogy. Yeah. And it's like... Do good men like Dead Meat Thompson just blink out one day like a bad bulb? I mean, one minute you're in bed with a knockout gal or guy, and the next you're a compost heap. Well, doesn't that bother any of you? Because it scares the living piss out of me. <laughs> he's saying these lines that just... Uh, they just had me weak with laughter. And then when to do the, the gun salute, he thinks he's been attacked. Jumping Jesus, they're back. Take cover, people! Take cover! Hit the dirt! Man, right! Cover me! Battle stations! Battle stations! Have they no respect for the dead? <laughs> he pulls the lid of the coffin up to, for, for protection. <laughs> He's firing. God, I love a good funeral. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's like Admiral Benson. Really? That's my name too. It's like, it's just... <laughs> you know the moment when he's when he's looking out, uh, he, he goes over and he's looking at a painting. It's a, a painting of an airfield. <laughs> and he's ignoring me all day long. He's calling down to one of them. And he's like, see, not, not a bunch. The morale on this base is shot to hell. Just look out there. Hardly oh, man moving. Roy. Roy. Huh? I even went to school with that man. He's just not the same. Been ignoring me all day. Oh God, he's so. Funny. That scene is the one that opens where I had to pause it because I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> where um, he's dictating a memo to his uh, assistant. I read that back to me, Frenzy. And if you ever put your goddamn hands on my wife again, I will. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like. <laughs> I want to know what's going on in his life besides what's happening on screen. It's fantastic. But, uh, I loved when Commander Block said, Every aerial photo and recon report indicate a defensive arsenal in the D and perhaps negative C categories. There's also a nest of anti-aircraft and Nagajina squadrons. They can send up an ACAC umbrella high enough to make any attack in effect. And Lloyd Bridges goes, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, Phil. Not a fucking clue. I have a shell on the size of a fist in my head. Pork chop you. The only way I can get this goddamn tube to stay on is by magnetizing the entire upper left quadrant of my skull. So you just go ahead and do what you do. <laughs> like, how do you deliver that? How do you deliver that straight? And, oh, I don't know. Jesus Christ. My favourite scene from Hot Shots was the, was the demise of Dead Meat. Was like starting off with him, like, you know, about to go on that mission and his wife comes up to him and you see a little black cat running by and then he walks, walks under a ladder. I'm so blessed. 
Your life insurance forms came for you to sign. You've got the the insurance policy to come true. You just sign it now. And oh, my mirror. Pen won't work. He says, ah, oh, don't worry. I'll fill it in afterwards. Everything that could wish him bad luck does. I'll get another pen. No need. I'll sign it when I get back. And that whole sequence I thought was just gag after gag after gag. So many good sight gags in that in that sequence. I thought that was the the highlight, aside from Light Bridges. I but that it. only works because you know that he's gonna die. Yeah. And you only know he's gonna die because you've seen Top Gun. And also he's so, called Dead Meat. <laughs> yeah, from the very beginning. The, and also he had proof that JFK assassination was fake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have proof. It's right here in my pocket. It's big, honey. Really big. It goes all the way to the White House. Do you want me to hold it for you? No, oh, it'll be safe right here. I'm in a jet. What could go wrong? I, I just, it's a great scene. There's a really funny joke in the second one where uh, Miguel Ferrero walks up to Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. and, um, and the female lead. And he says, which one of you is Michelle Huddleston? Mm. And Charlie Sheen goes, she's. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's just this absolute fucking stupid humor. Yeah. that After a while, it gets into your head and you start, Taking everything literally, yeah. and it's like I don't know. These are there's so many dad jokes flying at me here yeah. that I'm uh, losing my marbles. There was one joke that originated in Airplane that basically every spoof film used and almost used it to death. And it's the, oh, I know what you're going to say. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. But every yeah, film yeah. uses that gag. There's been a little problem in the cockpit. The cockpit? What is it? It's the little room in the front of the plane where the pilots sit. That's not important right now. So I was going to get into sort of the big heavy hitters of the spoof genre because there's only a few of them. Okay. Like you've got Mel Brooks because Mel Brooks did Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Dracula Dead and Loving It. He did all those spoof films. Mm -hmm. Then the Zucker Brothers, between them, from that contingent that did Airplane, Mm -hmm. they wrote Police Squad together. They did Top Secret. They did the Naked Gun movies. Then they parted ways and Jim Abrams did Hot Shots. And some of the Zucker Brothers did the scary movie films. And they have a, a huge footprint in that genre. Then you also have the Wayans, mm-hmm. the Wayne Brothers. They did I'm Gonna Get You Sucker and Don't Be a Menace in South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood and Scary Movie 1 and 2 yeah. and, and A Haunted House and stuff like that. Those are the ones who dominated the spoof genre. Yeah. And then there's the kind of the people who some people like the McGrubers. Walk Art, for instance, that's another one that uh, I think is a great spoof of. Who did that one? That was Jake Kasdan and written by Judd Apatow and Jake Kasdan. And it's. Oh, a, okay. Oh, I've never seen it. It was a complete flop when it first came out. And I don't even know if it got good reviews, but it's basically a spoof of all of those musician biopic movies like Walk the Line and Ray and, and whatnot. And it stars John C. Reilly. And it, it's absolutely fantastic particularly the first half mr cox mr cox give him a minute son dewey cox needs to think about his entire life before he plays from the time he was a boy ain't no six-year-old understand the true meaning of the blues i reckon i might i don't know that thing Cut my brother in half. It's not bad for your first time. The music of Dewey Cox Take my has had an effect on people. It's the devil's music. From the guy who brought you Talladega Nights and Superbad. You have got to give up this dream. You're never going to make it. And maybe you don't believe in me after all. I do believe in you. 
I just know you're going to fail. It's really great. See, this is a thing. I had a friend that didn't like Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. Which I consider to be a fantastic spoof film. Yeah. Because he wasn't aware of the films that it was referencing. He just thought that it was a bad comedy. And I had never seen any of the teen sex camp comedies that it was spoofing. But I still thought it was brilliant. Mm. And I don't know whether you need to have a familiarity with the source material to find a spoof funny. So I, I've not seen Ray or such and such, the, the music biopics. You don't? Yeah, you don't. I've not seen them. Yeah, you, do, yeah. you really don't have to have seen them. I, I think the best of the spoof movies look and feel like proper movies in that they are shot really, really well. So for instance, I think Hot Shots was shot by Bill Butler, who shot Jaws. Yeah. But the if you look at Hot Shots And Basil Paladors did the music for the second yeah, one. Isn't it isn't it mad? Isn't it? Yeah. And, and, but it, it it adds to it. Like it, the production values add to it feeling like a real film. Just everything is off. I think that was a really key thing. Airplane, Walkhard, I think in particular, Naked Gun, Hot Shots, they all look like the type of film that they're spoofing. So the kind of the building blocks are familiar and it's not just cheapy. I think the later spoof movies look really kind of cheap and crap and you, you've no connection to the playground, if you know what I mean. I don't know if that's always true, but it definitely feels that way when it comes to spoof films where it's like, yes, you have committed to this movie and you've really thrown everything at it and it doesn't feel half-assed. Mm-hmm. It's like you go back to Airplane, right? And that the thing that I wanted to talk about on this episode specifically when it came to the spoofs was the resurgence of Leslie Nielsen. Right. Because he was a character actor and sort of a failed leading man. He was always working, but he was never in anything that was really his movie. He appeared in some hit movies like Forbidden Planet and The Poseidon Adventure where he's the doomed captain. Mm-hmm. And he did some horror movies like Creep Show and Prom Night and stuff like that. He was in that category of... Oh, I know that guy, yeah. but you wouldn't really remember his name. And then the, the Zaz guys cast him in Airplane and he steals the whole movie. If you were to say, give me a quote from a spoof movie, what's the one that everyone's going to say? Surely, surely you can't, can't be serious. serious. I, I am serious. serious. And don't call, call me surely. surely. Yeah. So Leslie Nielsen yeah. is a standout in that movie. I worked on Airplane and I used to notice they would be watching me uh, do the sequence. And I thought, you know, if they watch too much, they're going to find out that I'm a fraud. <laughs> but it never turned out that way. They were watching because they had detected in me the same wavelength and humor that they had. And uh, then time passed and I got a call. Two years after that, so 1980 Airplane, 1982, they decided to do a TV show called Police Squad with Nielsen cast as Frank Drebin. Police Squad in color. And it's the first spoof TV show that I think there's ever been. There was, well, there was another Sledgehammer came in 1986, I think, which was a spoof of kind of like the Dirty Harry movies, but it was a TV show. Right. So Police Squad aired on ABC. Starring Leslie Nielsen. They only aired four of the six episodes and it was cancelled. Wow. Um, and it was considered to be a poor TV show. Wow. It didn't connect with audiences and critics didn't like it. So only four episodes aired. For whatever reason, the series was not working. And you can imagine the tremendous disappointment, not just for me, but for Jerry and David and Jim, because it, 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 you couldn't believe it. And uh, Thermopolis, who was the head of ABC at that time, 
he said, uh, well, the series didn't work because you had to watch it. Well, it sounds funny and sounds dumb, but it was true. You had to pay attention. You couldn't look away. You had to watch that to make sure that you caught the humor or where it was coming from. And television, people don't really watch TV. And then in the mid-80s, 1985, the VHS era came around and Paramount put out the complete set of The Police Squad, all six, on VHS. And it became a roaring success. So they recalled the Zaz guys and said, would you consider making a movie? And they did. And they went off and they made Naked Gun, where they slightly retooled it. Mm-hmm. And Frank is much more of an idiot in the, the movies. And what I loved about this is that Leslie Nielsen is 62 when he gets cast in the movie of The Naked Gun. And it's his first time with his name above the title. And it's his first time as sort of the star of a movie. 62 years of age and he becomes an icon. Yeah. After that, he gets cast in Repossessed, Dracula Dead and Loving It, Spy Hard, Wrongfully Accused, Mr. Magoo, Superhero Movie, Stan Hessling, Scary Movie 3 and 4. He just keeps turning up in all these spoof movies after that. And he becomes almost the face of the genre. There's a lovely quote that I found of him where he says that when he stopped trying to be a leading man is when he finally got to be a leading man. And when he stopped taking life seriously and just started to enjoy it is when the world started to reward him. And he just seemed to have an absolute ball in those movies and uh, finally having the career that he always wanted. And he used to go around to all the different chat shows when he would do uh, publicity and stuff. And he'd bring a fart machine with him. No way. He was notorious for that. (laughs) No way. I love the way you play it so straight. I I love the way, I guess the director told you, it's 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 not a comedy. Act as though this is deadly serious. The director, the thing is that we know that we're being funny, but you can't let the audience know for one second that you're trying to be funny, not for one second. Although I will do almost anything I can for a laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. The lottery for for my life, because people say, what was your big break? Well, there was a big break, and that was to do airplane and meet, to meet Jerry and David and Jim, because that's where it all began. It was heading very slowly in that direction, but they were the catalyst. But the real big break was somewhere in that time span, even before Airplane, I had decided, I woke up one morning and decided that I had been taking myself too seriously. And I just stopped it and have been continuing to stop it ever since. Oh, wow. He's such a charming, effervescent kind of, I, he's, he's cuddly. That's what I was saying. He's a very warm character and face to have around and you can exude warmth. And uh, his deadpan delivery was incredible. You just felt, you you believed in the fact that he believed what he was doing. You know, there wasn't, you didn't feel like his tongue was in his cheek most of the time. There's loads of jokes in the Nicky Gun movies that you almost forget that you're hearing a joke because he delivers them so straight. I also love the voiceover that he does. There's one in Nicky Gun Two and a Half where he meets um, Jane again, yeah. and uh, the voiceover goes. I couldn't believe it was her. It was like a dream, but there she was, just like I remembered her. That delicately beautiful face, and a body that could melt a cheese sandwich from across the room, and breasts that seemed to say, "Hey, look at these." 
She was the kind of woman that made you want to drop to your knees and thank God you were a man. Yeah. She reminded me of my mother, all right, no doubt about it. <laughs> Frank, snap out of it. You're looking at her like she was your mother, for Christ's sake. Grace. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, fantastic writing, fantastic delivery. <laughs> it really is. But there's so many great one-liners in that. There's like, um, there's also, um, Richard Griffith goes up to uh, to Priscilla Presley and he says, um, you're thinking about him again. What was his name? And she goes, Frank. And he goes, you just can't forget about him, can you? And she goes, who? <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. That's stupid. You. Yeah. yeah. I love the, I love the scene where he's interrogating a guy in the docks and there he's like, you know, he's, he's, he's trying to bribe him with a couple of dollars and he's saying, what's it to you? <laughs> and he ends up owing, he ends up owing money or the guy ends up borrowing money from him to get information he's from like, him. Yeah, I can't remember anything. How about now? <laughs> it's like, fantastic. yeah. And they start swapping money and paying it back. But that's actually directly lifted from the police squad episodes. Yeah. yeah. If you, if, if the listeners out there haven't watched the original Police Squad episodes, they are utterly fantastic. And you'd watch them all really quickly and they're fantastic. They're so, so funny. It's a shame. Yeah. And you know what I, I noticed when I rewatched them for this? Joe Dante directed one of the episodes. No way. Oh my yeah. God. Oh my God. And what did Joe Dante do? But he ended up just like Edwin S. Porter in spoofing his own movie with Gremlins 2 spoofing of Gremlins. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Now, was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Oh my God, of course. There's so much crossover between parodies and, and spoofs. I rewatched Top Secret over the weekend. And I think one of the important things about spoof movies is that the kind of the handrails of the genre have to be really defined for the audience. And that's kind of a part of the reason why it doesn't work because you kind of don't know what it's spoofing specifically. It stars uh, Val Kilmer. It's kind of like Elvis Presley, Nazi movie. I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist only to lose her to a child lover who she'd last seen on a deserted island and who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. My favourite aspect of the spoof genre are the sight gags. And it has a series of brilliant sight gags. And one of them is Val Kilmer's on a train and he's just looking out the window and the trains leaves the station. But then the camera kind of dollies through the actual window and we realize we realized this train station is is the thing that's on tracks and it's moving and, and you pull away and you see then a, a, a tree is taking off like a train in the background and a guy is chasing the tree and it's completely illogical, but it's utterly brilliant, utterly brilliant. Well, I asked Nick DeSemlin from Empire what his favorite spoof movies were. Nick is the editor of Empire. He listed that as well. But what he oh. said was like, some of my favorite spoof moments, and there are so many, but these are the ones that come to mind. Right. The train gag in Top Secret, where it's revealed the station is moving, uh, which you just said. Yeah. Also, the massive phone in Top Secret. Yes. The bit in Naked Gun where Frank Drebin says bingo, and then he opens a drawer and takes out a bingo card. Yeah. Him being awarded for killing drug dealers in Naked Gun two and a half, and then saying, in all honesty, the last three I backed over with my car. Luckily, they turned out to be drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything Lloyd Bridges does in Hot Shots, especially we'll settle this the old Navy way. The first guy to die loses. Um, the fugitive spoofing train scene in Wrongfully Accused and the opening credits of Spy Hard and the jam joke in Spaceballs. And now I want to watch spoof movies again. So, oh, yeah. Oh, great. 
Great, great, great. Fantastic. Yeah, it's, that's, I think the attention to detail, some of the construction of some of these, like one, one take shots where it's all sight gags that you can rewatch the film over and over again and see something funny on another corner of screen that you never spotted the first time. Yeah, that's what I love about them. I love the flashback sequence in Airplane where Stryker recalls meeting the female lead for the first time yeah. and they parody Saturday Night Fever. Yes. And they're, they're just dancing and she ends up catching him by the legs and swinging him around yeah. <laughs> and then letting him go and then fly into the, into the piano and stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh God. There's also a moment where um, he's flashing back to being in the hospital. Yes. And there are people groaning and she says, they hear a groan. Oh. She says, who's that? And he goes, it's uh, Lieutenant Hurwitz. Severe shell shock. Thinks he's Ethel Merman. <laughs> and <laughs> Ethel Merman jumps out of the bed. You'll be swell. You'll be and all these nurses and doctors run in and start sedating. It's just, Lord it's stupid, stupid comedy. In that same scene, in, in that same scene in the hospital of all these shell-shocked uh, soldiers, you pan across and there's a guy, you know, a patient painting like this horrific scene of a, <laughs> it's a picture of a soldier with his leg behind his head and he's holding a baby and all that sort of stuff. But then you, and it's horrific. And then you actually pan to what he's using as reference and it's the exact same scene. And it's just, yeah. oh, it's so funny. I like when he says to her, um, my orders came through, my squadron ships out tomorrow, we're bombing the storage depots at Daiquiri at 1800 hours. We're coming in from the north below our radar. And she says, when will you be back? And he goes, I can't tell you that. It's classified. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. And also his problem, why he's got a drinking problem. And I, it's so stupid. He just can't lift a glass to his mouth. That's the problem. He, he raises a glass. He just splashes it on his forehead. It's just, I've got a drinking problem. <laughs> it's brilliant. I love that. It's sort of like the who's on first gag that they do in the cockpit where you've got You've got Captain Over, Clarence Over. You've got the navigator, Victor, and you have uh, Roger, the uh, co-pilot. And they're like, we have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? <laughs> it's like, that's Clarence Over, 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 Roger, huh? Roger, Over, what, huh? Who? <laughs> I want to give you my favorite spoof scene. And my way of selecting my favorite spoof scene is by picking the scene that made me laugh the hardest on, on the rewatch of all these films, right? That'll do. And it was from Airplane. Now, a lot of these scenes I've seen, like, you know, I, I've seen these films loads and loads on it. So a lot of the, the gags I knew, but the one gag that made me absolutely double over in kinks is the scene where one of the air hostesses uh, goes down to a nun who's got a guitar. There's a little girl on board up front who's ill. Do you mind if I borrow your guitar? <laughs> and there's a girl because they're transporting a girl who's dying. She needs a heart transplant. Yeah. And she says, I think it'll really lift her spirits. And I think I'd love to do it just to lift her spirits. And the nun says, of course. Oh, she picks up the guitar and there's a long shot of her <laughs> sharply banging the, banging the guitar off every passenger's head as she goes up. <laughs> and and she's, she's singing this beautiful song song like you know uh, rivers of jordan there you go that's the song and she's singing everyone in the cabin is just smiling and singing along and she <laughs> as she's getting more uh, vigorous she pulls the pulls the, the, the ivy from the, from the little girl and little girl's dying but everyone doesn't give a shit because they're enjoying this song I was in hysterics it was the banging of the guitar on everyone's head as she went up to do something nice with this little girl I just I was just I just lost it I completely lost it in that scene 
Did you know that the airplane was based on a 1957 B movie called Zero Hour? I actually didn't know that. So they just basically took the structure of that. And it's some of the scenes are basically one for one. Yes. And they just threw in all these jokes. But yeah, I think that really helps having that constrained sort of structure. Joey, here's something we give our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. You ever been in the cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? We better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I get? Okay. Don't get in the way. I believe they had a copy of the film on set, so they were trying to match the lighting. That's how close they wanted to get to the original film. Yeah. As I said earlier on, the guardrails, you know, I think if you're spoofing a film, you really have to have your guardrails defined. What specifically is the film we're spoofing? And we have to get as close to that in detail as we can, but jam in as many jokes as we can. That's our job. Yeah. I guess I should tell you what my one is then. Yes, please. So I'm going to give you two. A parody film and a spoof film. I'm going to give you one from each. Right, great. And the parody film I'm going to go with, because this is spoof scenes, so I have to give you a spoof one. But the parody one I want to go with, I think that Galaxy Quest is not just a great parody film, but a great film in general, Mm -hmm. like a five-star film. In the far reaches of the galaxy... A civilization is under siege. We are all that is left. They've searched the universe for a leader. Stay tuned for scenes from next week's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. You will save us. What they got. Never give up. And never surrender. We're struggling TV actors. You are our last hope. Where's my limo? Okie dokie. And they're about to put on a command performance. Eight million light years away. We are actors, not astronauts. You are our protectors. Am I cheating in doing this? I don't know. But it's... It's our show, Kevin. We can do it. It's our show. We can do whatever we want. So I was saying like earlier on that spoofs and parodies, they will take something that you already know about the film that they're referencing or the uh, genre that they're referencing. And it requires that inside information in order to exaggerate and escalate the comedy. And in Galaxy Quest, you have Sam Rockwell, who's cast as Guy Mm -hmm. in the TV show. And he's a red shirt. And everybody knows that a red shirt is basically an, uh, an expendable, disposable character on a Star Trek episode. Yeah. And every time they go on a away mission, they get killed. The cannon fodder. And so, cannon fodder. And there's the scene in Galaxy Quest where these troop of actors who have been abducted by a, a race of aliens who think that they actually are in the universe of that movie, mm-hmm. the, the protector cast, they go down to a planet to get a beryllium sphere. And Guy is basically hyperventilating and panicking because... He thinks he's about to be killed. You're not going to die on the planet, guy. I'm not? What's my last name? It's, uh, um, uh, I don't know. Nobody knows! Do you know why? Because my character isn't important enough for a last name. Because I'm going to die five minutes in. Guy, you have a last name. Do I? Do I? Yes! For all you know, I'm just crewman number six. Ruby. Do I have a surname? It's like, of course you got a surname. Do I? Do I? (laughs) And there's there's a line in it where they they come across the aliens and 
uh, obviously the aliens are all vicious little bastards. Yeah. And they're running back and Sigourney Weaver says, Let's get out of here before one of those things kills God. <laughs> and, and it's, it comes after all of them reassuring him that he's absolutely fine. But then the minute that this, the scene turns, it's like, he's going to get killed. Let's get out of here. So when I think about like scenes in general and what you need, what separates a spoof or a parody from everything else, that scene only really works when you know what an away team are about mm-hmm. and what the conceit of a red shirt is. And Sam Rockwell knows it as well. And it's a loving homage and a send up and uh, a celebration of Star Trek. And for a lot of Star Trek fans, it's considered to be one of the best Star Trek movies. And I think that that is worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about scenes, but in terms of spoofs, ones that we were talking about were the surreal and the stupid. I went with from Nicky Gun two and a half when we're reintroduced to all the characters and Frank and Jane have split up and they're, they've come across each other in the story. He's uh, cross paths with her. She's basically jilted him at the altar. And Frank goes to a speakeasy bar to drown his sorrows. It is filled with sight gags, but it starts off with a woman singing a jazz number and you find Frank and he's looking really depressed. I'm feeling blue. The waiter comes over and he says, uh, mm-hmm. Give me the strongest thing you got. And in comes a half-naked bodybuilder. <laughs> On second thought, how about a black Russian? (laughs) And the barman (laughs) looks at the camera like, "Uh, what does he mean by this? And then in comes George Kennedy, who is like a brilliant foil for Frank. Frank, I thought I'd find you here. Sit down, pull up a memory or two. And and Frank is telling George, you know, sometimes I envy you and Edna. You know, sometimes I think about you and Edna. That's when I envy you, because you have someone. You have the same person every day for over 30 years. You wake up with her, you eat with her, you sleep with her. Make love to the same woman. You spend every possible waking moment together. While I'm out running around with some 20-year-olds who just want to have a good time and cheap sex, 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 girls who can't say no. Girls who can't get enough. More, more, more. It's your turn now to wear the handcuffs. <laughs> I, I just want to love, Ed. I'm sure you'll find love, Frank. I already have one. It's from the lady. And then <laughs> Jane is in the bar and she gestures for Frank to come over. Go to her, Frank. They have this lovely sort of like... Back and forth, like bitter banter. What are you doing here? Frank, I want us to be friends. Sure, friends. But if I dusted you for a prince right now, there'd be a lover boy, Quentin Habsburg. And she goes to slap him, and he goes, Well, I see a certain kitten still knows how to scratch. And then she swings with her left, and he catches it. (laughs) Out of nowhere, a third hand just slaps him right across the face. And Frank looks completely bewildered and scared. I shouldn't have done that. Where did the third hand come from? <laughs> and it's like, that is exactly what I love about spoof movies is just that childlike, innocent fun. It's lovely and, and silly and you don't get it in any of the comedies. And it, it requires sort of like just giving up to the film and accepting these are going to be so stupid. And that's the point. Yeah. But I, 
I love that scene. I think it's a great spoof scene. You're reminding me of when I first encountered these films as a young kid and as teenagers, and they were the highest form of comedy. Uh, you know that sense of literally wetting yourself laughing because you're hurting, oh, you're, yeah. the hurting, the, the hurts that these films cause from laughter. When they're running and operating at their, at the peak, in like in the case of Airplane or The Naked Gun, or these films make you hurt uh, with laughter. Uh, th- that's why they're brilliant. And that's why it's such a shame that the genre has fallen into disrepute. But it also makes me crave the next great Spoof. Yeah. I'd better go. This was a mistake. I don't even know why I came here. I was hoping you'd be happy, that you'd have someone. I'm single. I I love being single. I haven't had this much sex since I was a Boy Scout leader. I mean, at the time, I was dating a lot. Do go watch the Naked Girl movies. Give Leslie Nielsen his, his due. I miss him. He was great. Yeah. Every single scene that he does is hilarious. I would get up early to get to work early to start laughing sooner. Mm-hmm. And I really mean that. So because, you know, there's nothing better, nothing that has anything more to offer than fun. So the preparation is you prepare to have a good time. Along with that kind of thing, when you stop taking yourself seriously, then you stop blaming people for things that have happened to you. And the moment you stop blaming people about anything, if there's any blame, you, know, you look to yourself... You go for the laughs, and uh, so my life today is like a vacation. Oh, can I mention a TV spoof that I think is well worth to mention if people haven't seen it? It's Dude, um, go for it. A Touch of Cloth. Have you ever seen A Touch of Cloth? I have heard of it, but I... It's so good. It's the Charlie Brooker spoof of those prime thrillers like Taggart and... Oh, can I mention one then yeah. if you're going to do that? Yeah. I want to mention Toast of London, the Matt Berry show. I haven't seen that. Hi, Stephen. This is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? Who the fuck are you? Clem's with us for a few weeks on work experience. Can you hear me, Stephen? Yeah, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. If you sing it normally, then do the short voiceover mentioning the product at the end. He's just fucking said that. Hi, Stephen. Yes? This is Clem Fandango. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. Oh, Oh, that is so bloody good. Really? It's really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should definitely watch that. Oh, wow. And you know what got me thinking as well? Because I actually listened to a great podcast with um, Charlie Brooker. Is that he made the point, and I think it's very valid, is that basically Simpsons. The Simpsons is operates on a spoof, kind of. Totally. I I made a note of that. Yeah, so much of the humour from Airplane you see repeated in The Simpsons. Yeah, sight gags, parodying existing films, but jamming as many jokes as you can. Absolutely. Totally. And yeah, I don't know if we're going to get back to spoofs on the big screen. As I said, I think YouTube and meme culture has killed it off. And I think that people have been conditioned to think of spoofs as very sneering, mocking, mean-spirited takedowns. And what they began as, and what the ones that I really love, were beautiful send-ups yeah. that were lovingly poking fun and being playful. Inc- and incredibly well-crafted. Incredibly. Yes. The, the the writing was just so good and the performances were so great. Well, look at Airplane. It, they did 30 drafts of Airplane. Four or five years working in a screenplay to that. Attention to detail in the execution of that and how they workshops that film as well. They would show that film to test audiences and make notes on the laughs and actually really, really refined the edits to make sure that 
every gag landed. Yeah, I think it's, it shows because, it, as you said, it's ground zero. It's the touchstone and it is one of the funniest films that's ever been made. Yeah, and I would say that Naked Gun Two and a Half as well is a great, great movie. I prefer it to the other two. Really? I have to rewatch that one. I really have to. You do. It's wow. so good. Blazing Saddles is also great. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gene Wilder is such a brilliant idiot. And you know where Blazing Saddles really goes into a spoof for me is near the end when it kind of bursts out of the film set and goes on. And, you know, it def- oh, there, the there's big a big bus, chase. there's a big fight and the fight just starts going from one soundstage to another soundstage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, that's when you break the fourth wall. That's the stuff that I always enjoy. Which they did then in the Austin Powers films. Oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Mm. The Brady Bunch movie was also very good. Oh, I forgot all about that. That was a fantastic film. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure, Jan. Another meme again, you see. <laughs> yeah. These movies just spawn memes like you wouldn't believe. I'm watching my figure for my new boyfriend and he thinks I'm super cool. Sure, Jan. Brilliant. Not another teen movie. I remember being very funny at the time, but I've not seen it since. Uh, the only one I would add to that list is Walkout. I think Walkout is very, very funny. Oh, and also the 41 virgin who knocked up Sarah Marshall and felt super bad about it. Whoa, where did this one is come not from? One, oh, is not one that I would recommend. <laughs> I was like, what? What, where, what is this one? Okay, yeah. that's not great. But I think there's hope. I think there's hope for more spoof movies, Kevin. Definitely. All right, so will I spin the wheel for oh, you? Let's spin the wheel. Let's see what's coming my way. Great. Here we go. Crank, 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 crank. Oh, God, the sound. is best French new wave scene. Ah. <laughs> Hang on a second. Once it was spun once and got dismissed, <laughs> then it is permanently removed as a topic from the wheel, I believe. <laughs> okay. No, do you want to know what it really is? This is a good one, yes, actually. Okay. It's best body swap scene. Okay. Best body swap scene. Right. Right. Okay. There aren't... Immediately, my head uh, thinks... I think that... There aren't that many Freaky Friday body swap films. There's a load of them. Hang on, there's a load of those. There's um, you've got guys swapping into girls' bodies. You've got God, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to look into it. Yeah, I'm gonna. Okay, right. I feel. Uh, oh God, I feel actually this is gonna be one with a lot of homework because there's a lot of films I haven't seen. I don't think you could use something like Trading Places where they switch identities. So it's got to be actual. The supernatural kind. Wonderful. What do we usually say at the end? Is there something else that we usually say? We say, we used to always say, Shut up, Podbot. Bastard. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, yes. Podbot didn't help out too much this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving the Bollocks a five-star review on your podcast provider of choice. And if you want more podcasts from the pair of them, you can get dozens of bonus shows for the price of a pint over on their Patreon. Yes. Thank you. See you back next time. Back again for the next episode of The Best Bits, not The Best Clips. That was a parody title. Did you get it? Oh, God. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You worked too hard on this podcast, Kevin. I don't think anyone's going to agree with you there after they hear this episode. (laughs) See ya. Radio. Good luck. The Best Bits podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. If you have any notes, comments, scene suggestions, or just want to get in touch with us, email us at bestbitspodcast at gmail.com. I have to watch my image. I mean, it's very important, you know. I mean, I'm always associated with being a man who has a background and education and I'm well-mannered and, you know, I have to protect, protect that image. Whatever. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> I think-
think that's, that's tremendously important. And here is a clip from the lad's latest Mini Bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Fuck up. <laughs> Talk to you, you stupid cunts. The best As fuck with Kevin Lee Hand. Jesus. How are you, Will? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm grand. Did you like that theme tune? I love that theme tune. It might have been my favourite so far. Uh, <laughs> I think it was as well. <laughs> definitely, I'd say it's definitely your favourite. Yeah. Hey, I was at one of the great Irish traditions at the weekend. My niece's communion down at Cork. Cork. Go on. I can't wait. Well, I want to say this, right? Kevin just slips limply. <laughs> I said to my I, I said to my daughter uh, in school on Monday mornings they do news. What's your news, right? Nudes and bio. And my my daughter said she kept my picture up from school, and she said um, I said did you do your news today? And she says yeah, but I didn't really get to say much of what I wanted to, to tell him. You know, so she wanted to tell him about the trip down to Cork, like you know. And as as is this just a ploy for the teacher to get all the gossip out of the kids? Yeah, I think all the teachers do it. All the teachers get their children to do news on a Monday morning, and they just get all the gossip. My mum and dad were reaching the head off each other on Saturday night, and on Sunday they went for dinner to make up. Oh, very good. <laughs> Carol, do you have any news? My dad crashed the car, kids. <laughs> Let me tell you, right? So Ellie said to me, she said, "No, I didn't really get to say much, like you know." And I went, "Oh well, thank God, like you know." But then as it turned out, it turned out she said everything. She was like going, oh, we talked about, you know, your, I, I, I said, well, thank God you didn't get to tell me about my, my shaving foam exploding in my, in my changing bag. She says, oh, I did get to tell him that. I was like, oh, right. Okay. Well, did you tell him about, you know, your, your cousin, you know, the girl who was getting her communion, breaking her leg the night before the communion? Oh yeah. I told her, told him that as well. I was like, okay, right. Did you tell him about, <laughs> did you tell him? So turns out, turns out that my, go on. <laughs> at the last communion, at the last communion, right? They had a photographer, a, a photographer came over and took photographs and right, listen, this, listen, I can see he wants to cut in, but let me just finish this and I'll be, I'll get off it. We'll start the timer. As we kind of got together for Time a photograph of me and my niece, no, hold on, with my niece, right? He drops the camera, right? He drops the camera and he says to me, love the podcast. And I was, what? <laughs> he just, Another fella yeah. said that to you. Well, it was the same guy who said, remember I, t- I said two years ago. Is he still listening? Nieces, I don't know if he's Fucking still listening. Oh, well, he said it to me two years ago. So he pr- he's probably not listening anymore. Are we on a delay? <laughs> I don't know. I think we might be because we're tripping over each other. Okay, let's let's uh, hang up and join in again. How was that sound? That sounds fantastic. Welcome to the best bits Patreon. Give us money, 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 give us money. Hello, Will. How are you? It's great to get on mic for another mini bits. Yeah. Raw. Raw. Does that seem better? That does seem better. Listen, I've seen a load of stuff. Let's start the timer. Okay, I saw Monkey Man, I saw Civil War. 
I saw Conor Brian must go, Sugar, mm -hmm. Fallout, Ripley, the Steve Martin documentary, tons of oh. stuff. L yeah. Late Night with the Devil. I keep wanting to say Last Night with the Devil. Baby Reindeer, The Jinx has come back. So I want to talk about all of those with you. So that's what we're going to talk about. And yeah. for those who aren't on the Patreon, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> look, tough look. <laughs>